0: Today, we're emphasizing missions uh, in our service, and uh, we're in for a treat uh, this morning. Uh, and I uh, want you to, to ready yourselves for a time of uh, storytelling, a time of hearing the gospel in unique ways, seeing how God is, is using some of our brothers and sisters, uh, both here in, in the city and abroad. And as we continue, I want you to to look to the screen, and I want us to proclaim a passage from Acts chapter 1 together uh, as we we begin uh, this morning. So let's read these passages or, or this passage together. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, And spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion. While he was eating with them. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised. Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together. They asked him. Lord. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We all have uh, different understandings of mission. Uh, some of you, uh, when I said that we're emphasizing mission, thought about uh, what missionaries do. And we all have a picture and an image of who missionaries are, the types of people missionaries are, what kind of work missionaries do. But as, as, as you hear this morning, I want to encourage you to see missions as something not that the church uh, just adds on, but but something that the church is from the time that that Jesus spoke to his disciples in Luke and sent them out in that passage that talks about lambs. They were lambs in the midst of wolves. To the great commission, to the the birth of the church at Pentecost, throughout the centuries, mission is something that that is identified. With Jesus. People who follow Jesus have always been about uh, inviting others to encounter Jesus and ultimately inviting them to worship Jesus as Lord. At our church, we uh, think about, we do, we support missions not because it's something else to be done. But We emphasize mission. We live missionally. We proclaim, we teach precisely because it is what the church is about. And there are different ways to do that. There are different ways to live that out. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says that there are both local and global components to living missionally, to teaching, to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke says that we receive the Spirit's power to be witnesses for Jesus in Jerusalem, in the local environment where we are, in Judea and Samaria, in those fringe communities or neighborhoods that are outside of where we are immediately and throughout all of the world so that there are both local and global opportunities for us to proclaim Jesus and to invite others to worship him. This morning, uh, as I said, you will have an opportunity to to hear from our brothers and our sisters, members, members of our church who are living missionally, who are preaching the gospel, who are teaching about Jesus, who are inviting others to encounter him and ultimately to worship Jesus. Jermaine McGill is going to come and introduce our first missionary. Uh, Come on, Jermaine, uh, at this time.
1: Uh, How you doing? I'm Jermaine McGill. Um, I'm an advocate, and I guess I I think I'm the only advocate in the church for missionaries in China. They're the Kim family. Uh, It's Peter, Anna, Nathan, and Nehemiah Kim, and they're working in the Shanxi province. I'm sorry if I butchered that. I don't know Mandarin that well. <laughs> and uh, they're working with a group called Evergreen International. And what this group does is it does public works and just silver works with uh, China. And they're a Christian group, and they identify themselves as Christian. The Chinese government knows that they're Christian. Uh, they're working with them uh, doing public works things. Peter is working in the school system, and he's been working with kids for a while. And he's leading a Bible study since he's been there. Anna is working with the healthcare workers in the area, and she's also learning Mandarin half-time. So they're learning Chinese as they're going through their uh, doing their missionary work. Uh, they're looking for teachers for teaching with their group in small classes. And the video is going to show you uh, just a little bit about what they're doing, why they went there and what's been going on with their family. So here's their update.
2: Hello, new community. Uh, this is Peter King. We are at Church Evergreen Italian office. Uh, since July of last year, uh, there are a couple major changes in our life. The first one is we um, changed from full-time language students to part-time uh, language students. is uh, we are able to invite the ministry and work right now. And for, um, so this year we will focus on uh, not only the language but we will focus on uh, learning culture, politics and uh, basically how to work and do ministry in China. Another uh, major ch- change uh, uh, this year was we decided to stay with the Evergreen and now we are a full member of uh, Evergreen. Uh, so this place, uh, the Test province, will be our home, and then this, this will be the uh, uh, place that we will do our work and ministry. We asked Andrew Kaiser, our Taiyuan Regional Director, to introduce Evergreen a little bit to, to you. Shanxi Evergreen Service, a group of international expatriates, uh, Christians from many different nations with professional skills, Who've come here expressly to put down roots into the local community. Uh, the idea is that as we, as much as possible, enter into the lives of our neighbors, our professional workplace, uh, as we become part of the church, the local church, uh, that in those situations we'll naturally develop relationships and those relationships will present, our, present opportunities to share about our faith, Uh, And at the same time, it will also help us to understand opportunities and and places where there are needs for us to come and serve the people.
3: Hi, new committee. I'm Anna Kent. For the last two to three years, I've been in language study and raising two energetic boys, Nathan and Nehemiah. So I've had my hands full. Uh, this, um, This past semester, I just joined a Uh, the local university and started taking classes there and I'm also taking spiritual language classes and medical Mandarin. It's a full load. (laughs) Learning Chinese is one of the most difficult languages. But I'm excited because especially the medical Mandarin uh, will come very, I mean it's so practical right now that as I'm starting work once a week at the community health that I can use these words that I've learned to help the patients that I see. And right now I'm not really actually doing much in terms of professional work. As you know, I'm a nurse with a community health background, but I'm observing and trying to learn uh, about the people and the culture so that I can provide appropriate care.
2: So as a part-time language student, not only I spend time learning language, but I spend a lot of time learning culture and uh, politics. So one of my assignments is to visit this government uh, bureau department, just to look at what's going on, and as I, um, and then you know, how we as a foreigners can relate to uh, these different departments. Well, so I started to attend uh, Chinese men's Bible study once a week, also once a week we do have a uh, Chinese staff uh, devotional time, once a week um, we do have uh, this group uh, visiting uh, single orphanage, so we do have uh, two groups, one group we are visiting uh, young young infants babies, and this are the second floor, and then we do have a little bit older kids on third floor, uh, many of them are Disabled kids, please spend time with them, um, do crafts, singing. A lot of time just uh, changing diapers, all that.
3: We'd like to share some good news with you. Uh, we're expecting our third child. Yay. Yay. Yay! So, please continue to pray for us with our work, language, and cultural adjustment as we're. Hey, bye Bye-bye. bye. Bye bye.
1: If you're interested in any opportunities, you can contact me. My email address is in the bulletin under Jermaine McGill. It's under the financial ministry heading. But let's take a moment to pray for them and just pray for what they talked about. God, I thank you for Peter and Anna Kim and the Kim family, um, just for the devotion that they have to you, God, and just the willingness for them to step out in faith and to take a risk, God a risk of bringing their family to China, of being missionaries in China. I thank you for the grace that they've had, the connections that they've made, and I pray that um, just as they shared with us, that as their hearts have been touched by so many people there, um, that their message can touch the hearts of everyone here, God, that we can be missional in our focus and in our devotion to you, whether it's with the people around us or... Uh, just a de- desire to go outside the country, to go outside of ourself, God. God, I pray right now that, uh, as they have a need for teachers, that you just put people in their way that are willing to teach and willing to get to China and just have a desire to, uh, to just educate in a place where people need education. I thank you and praise you, uh, again for this church, for this community and let us just surround them and support them. And, uh, just be the voice to what they're doing there in Shanji province.
0: Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, Jermaine. Thank you so much. Uh, our next introduction actually comes, uh, with another video. And so, uh, you're going to be introduced to the work of Rusty and Lynette Polander, uh, by virtue of, uh, the screen here. So take a look. We don't want to mess up your eyes, but I'm just giving you notice. We're going to go dark again.
4: Welcome to the northern hills of Thailand, home to the Aka people. The Aka are a displaced people group of approximately 2.7 million spread throughout Southeast Asia. Today, the Aka can be found living in China, Burma, northern Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam. The Aka are a nomadic people group without any land to call their own. Most of the Aka have relied on farming to meet their needs, but some have resorted to growing poppy to make more money in the opium drug trade. The Thai government wants to rid the country of this drug problem and has made many sweeps through the hill tribes, killing any farmers growing the poppies. Because the majority of Aka have no Thai citizenship, they have no rights, and their mistreatment is easily hidden to outsiders. This problem, along with AIDS, are the two main issues that have caused many Aka children to be orphaned and without any education. Many children seem to have been forgotten.
5: The Aka Youth Development Center was created to help Aka children with such limited opportunities. The AYDC was founded in 1999 by Pastor Luca and his wife, Gan. When Luca was only a baby, missionaries came to his village, translated the Bible into Aka, and taught the villagers about living the Jesus way. His parents were the first Aka Christian couple, and from their conversion, we see the spread of Christianity among the Aka. The missionaries sent Luca to Thai school as a young child. And he was the first of the ACA to graduate with a bachelor's degree in all of
4: Thailand. Pastor Luca decided he wanted to give many Akka kids the same opportunities that he was given. Currently, the ACA Youth Development Center supports 97 children ages 5 through 18 to attend first grade through college. One. But
6: we're both the same. Well, we...
4: Luca's vision also includes a tea business that helps provide funds for the youth center, Aka families, and their village churches to become self-supportive. The tea has grown quite well, but much work is still needed to develop the business. Currently, Luca is overseeing 12 church plants among his people and training up pastors and evangelists to shepherd those churches. There are many dreams and goals that the Aka Christians have yet to accomplish. Please pray for them and their journey ahead. One life but we're not the same quick. Carry each other,
6: carry each other. We're
7: We've been coming to a new community for about two years. Prior to that, I've worked with Youth of a Mission for around seven years in a lot of different areas around the world. Watching this video, you probably you didn't see us. So you're like, what? This is about Pastor Luca. Um, and that that's for a purpose. Um, in my experience with missions, growing up, we always had missionaries from overseas come To our church, and I was always intrigued, but it always seemed so foreign, and I never really, really understood what they did. And then, as I got to travel with YWAM on a lot of short-term trips, there was a lot of questions that I had about the philosophy and what are we really doing as the first-world church? How, how how is the gospel really being spread throughout the world? Lynette and I met Pastor Luca about five years ago, and now it's there, there's there's just this role that he's asked us to come underneath him and fill. The gospel is already there, and it's best if the Aka bring the gospel to the Aka instead of white people bringing the gospel to the Aka. So Lynette and I are. In language study and, and trying to learn the language. But there's a specific role that we feel as whites, as first world Christians, that we need to be behind them and supporting them. Um, as it said in the video, there's, there's actually 1.7 million Aka in China. And they are unreached. So Pastor Luca's goal and our goal, my dream is to have these young young people, young evangelists, young pastors go to their own people um, and bring the gospel to their own people. Um, so we want to bring this to you guys' attention because there's specific needs and roles that I believe that we have to our brothers and sisters. And you talk, we talked about the tea ministry. Um, right now there's... 12 church plants. Um, the folks that are living in the villages are extremely poor. It's very hard to, for them to even support a pastor. Um, it's very hard to them, for them to support their own children. Um, so we're trying to find a way. Um, just with the whole war in Afghanistan, we all know that uh, the poppy and the whole drug world has shifted over there. And so, in the Golden Triangle in, in Southeast Asia, there's not much of a market for opium anymore. So um, that's great; it's awesome. Um, but at the same time, they're struggling because when they're up in the mountains, the market comes to them if they're growing poppy. People come to them to get the drugs. Where they're so far, they're so far away from the towns and the villages. That just with transportation costs, they can't sell their goods and all that stuff in town because it costs so much to get their product to the market. So, I'm speaking to those of you that are in marketing, um, product development, coffee business, tea business. Um, we're growing um, tea full time in these twelve villages. We have a tea, we have a tea plantation there. It's oolong twelve green tea that we're growing. And um, we need help. We, we really want to help them develop a stable market. So that's one of the projects that I'm going to be working on. And then I'm going to let Lynette talk about what she's going to be doing.
4: I am getting ready to graduate from UIC this month, and then we'll return this fall in August um, just as a registered nurse. And so I'll be working more in the medical area. Um, among the ACA, because... Because they're not citizens of Thailand, the majority of them, they don't have access to the things that Thai citizens would, such as if your income is below the poverty level, a Thai citizen would have access to um, a 30 baht card, which is less than a dollar, to go and get access to any healthcare that you would need. Well, Aka people cannot have those cards because they're not citizens. Um, They speak a totally different language, totally different culture. Um, So their access to healthcare by that alone is extremely limited. Um, and most of them live with about $200 a year, is what they make for an income. But they're very self sufficient as far as growing their own crops and living in bamboo huts. They don't need a lot of money. But when it comes to healthcare, there's just not much access for them. They also live in extremely remote villages, which means they're very far from any healthcare centers. Um, I'm nervous and shaking. I'm going to pull myself together. <laughs> um, so with that, I'm going to be working under a nurse practitioner, another friend of ours from Seattle who's moving as well. And we'll be working in a clinic in the village and then going around to other more remote clinics in the area. Um, but what that's more of like the short-term goal is to meet needs where we can with just what we have. Long-term would be to find, it mentioned in the video about the ACA Youth Development Center. So Starting to get some Akka kids sponsored and go all the way through college. Right now, there's not one Akka doctor or nurse that we know of in Thailand, and Pastor Luca doesn't know of any as well. Um, Thai people don't want to work with the Akka because they're considered very low. There's not paid jobs in the villages where they're at. Nobody wants to live in a totally different village where they can't understand the language. So the government has tried to make, um, to some extent, efforts to work with the Hill Tribe people but there's not willing people wanting to go there. So that will be my role more in the healthcare area. Eventually we'd like to get some of these kids to go to school for nursing, to become doctors themselves, because we've, we found organizations that will pay for a local person to work in these clinics. They won't pay for a Westerner or a foreigner to do it, but they'll pay for the local people to do it. So eventually if we could get them through school and then get it to be a paid position for them to go back to their own people in their own villages, that's kind of the goal. Um, Also, Pastor Luca right now, he has some connections in the state, so he's been having medical teams come a few different times during the year of surgeons, doctors, dentists, nurses, all sorts of healthcare providers, and then they just go up to tons of different really remote villages and do surgeries, do so many different things up there. So one of my roles also will be just helping him manage that and keep in touch with people who are wanting to come and serve. And I'm kind of curious. I've been going here for 2 years but and I know there's people <clears throat> like a nurse I see right there and there's other people that I know are doctors. If you are in healthcare, can you just stand up? I don't really have an idea of how many people in the church. Wow, that's a lot more than I thought. So, what we'd be interested in doing as well is partnering with New Community to set up maybe a trip with people in New Community who are interested in coming and serving. Even if it's just a few of you, if it's not the whole bunch, you could come and join another team that's there. Um, and just help in that way. So that's that.
8: Thank you.
0: you see uh, the prayer requests, and you've heard uh, Lynette and Rusty talk about their ministry to the ACA. Um, Pastor Peter actually met with... Um, with um, I don't forget Pastor Luca's name. Okay, Pastor Luca, last week or the week before, and uh, I don't I don't think I'm speaking prematurely to say that we're we're starting to talk about a, a winter trip um, uh, to Thailand and to China. Uh, it's funny that Peter asked me. Peter Kim said, "When are you guys coming to China?" And so we're we're beginning to talk about that. For the you that stood. Um, might be a time uh, in in December or or later this year, early next year uh, to pull some of your skills and your work backs together. Um, So that'll come back. But as we see these prayer requests and have heard about the business needs, the skills for marketing, product development, what I'd like to do is invite you all to pray uh, for Rusty and Lynette. And so uh, I want to give you a chance to do that so that we can do this together as a church. So take a few moments uh, and uh, collect yourselves in groups of three or four. Rusty, Lynette, I'm going to ask that you either sit one to the side so that folks can, you can hear folks praying for you. Uh, And we do this just for the next few minutes. Okay. So look at the prayer request, either either here with your husband, it doesn't matter. Uh, Surround, yeah, surround uh, them, uh, and as a church, let's pray together for them. Let's pray for them. Lord Jesus, we pray that your hand would continue to guide Pastor Luca, Rusty, Lynette, that your spirit would continually empower them with courage, with ingenuity, and that, Lord, your spirit would uh, awaken our hearts uh, for those who have uh, skill, for those who have passion in the areas that Rusty and Lynette have mentioned. Would you you unsettle our hearts with conviction uh, to be salt and light? Go before them, light their path, provide, make a name for yourself in Jesus' name. Amen.
9: Are you guys encouraged? I hope that as stories are shared and as we continue to share stories, you're getting some kind of vision for how God might use you in proclaiming and living out the gospel all over the world. For some of you, things are clicking even as you're hearing stories um, on how to participate from being here as well as how to participate in going. And so we want to continue to invite you this morning to not just be a, a spectator watching what happens in mission, but to really be praying as you're hearing the stories, how might this relate to me, Lord? How might you be calling me, Lord? Um, I were, I am, I do work in marketing. I am a medical professional. Um, how might you be calling me to partner? And this morning we're gonna have a great opportunity to hear from our team that's going, uh, this summer on a short term mission. Uh, we have Julio and Katie who are leading a group of new community, uh, church members on a trip to Colombia. And I would like to introduce them to you and then allow them to come up here and share a little bit of their story. So we want guys want to come up now. Julio, um, he's Colombiano, so he's uh, he's related to me in some way because I am too. So he's Colombiano, and his wife Katie um, moved to Colombia in 2004 after she did some missions work in other Latin American countries. And so they both have a heart for Colombia and serving the the people there. They're heading to Colombia. Um, they're, they want to uh, lead up this team for two reasons. One is because they believe that God is at work in Colombia, that he's doing some things there, that his spirit is at work, that his, uh, church, um, is moving. And so they would like to take a group there to see that God is alive and well in Colombia and doing some things and expose them to that. The second reason is that they believe that God calls us out of our comfort zones. And to experience things that are new and different and to see how his gospel is advancing in other places. And so they want to give an opportunity to this team to see what it is like to step outside of your comfort zone. Uh, the team that they're taking is very diverse. You'll see that later as they come up here and you pray for them, but they are, um, diverse. Some of them are married. Some of them are not. Uh, they have a lot of gifts to bring to this trip. And uh, I did a training for them a couple weeks ago and I can tell that they are going to have some fun in Colombia. So, uh, we'll pray for them later. But right now we want to hear specifically about, uh, the trip. And so let me just ask a couple questions and then hand it over to you guys. Um, We want to know what's happening in terms of the current ministry there, like uh, who you're going to be working with, what kind of ministry it is, and what God is doing there, Um, and in what ways this team from New Community is going to be helping and serving alongside of uh, the churches in Colombia, Um, and also uh, what your hope is for long-term partnership and then some prayer requests. So what happens there? How are we going to come for short-term? And then kind of what does the future hold for us?
8: Thank you, Sandra. As Sandra said, I'm Julio, I'm from Colombia. We have been here for two years. And I love Colombia, I love my country, I love my people. And when I start talking about Colombia, I always ask, what do you know about Colombia? And The first answer people say is cocaine and war. Some people say coffee. Uh, but it's true, we have cocaine, we have coffee, we have war. And because of the war, four million people have been displaced in Colombia from the countryside to the city. This is a very big social problem in Colombia. So, The covenant church has been in Colombia for about four years. Four years. The work that they have been doing that is different. Uh, they have churches, but also every church has a social project. So they work with kids, or they work with people who have been in drug addictions, they work with people who have been in prostitution, or they work with people who are displaced from the countryside. Like my parents, for example, they were displaced many years ago. So when I was a kid, I experienced the worst in Colombia. So... uh, the Covenant Church in Colombia is doing a very good job working not only in the spiritual way, but also working with the community around the, every church. This is the current work right now in Colombia. So um, the covenant, what we can do uh, this church with the Colombian Church? We have been talking with the Pastor Peter, and he is very interesting in work with Colombia. And have like a partnership with Colombia. So the first thing that we want to do is to start a good relationship between the church here and the churches in Colombia. So we are working on this right now. And the second thing that we want to do is to send team from here to Colombia. And also to receive people from Colombia here. And the third thing that we want to do is we want to start planting churches in Colombia helping people there to plant new churches.
10: Uh, the team that we're taking to Colombia we're 15 people, and we will be uh, working for a week in the city of Medellin. We'll be working with about six or seven different churches there. Uh, we'll be doing children's Bible schools in the morning, so working alongside the churches to provide recreation, songs, crafts, and Bible stories for the kids. We'll also be working with a social um, program that Julio started uh, that uses sports and music to reach kids who are at risk um, for being pulled into gangs. Uh, So we'll be doing an all-day retreat with them, um, and then we'll also be doing an overnight retreat with youth leaders. Um, The majority of the young professionals there are looking for ways to get involved in the church and their community, and um, so we just want to be an encouragement to them and also help them um, think strategically about how they can start new social programs and how they can help their churches. Uh, So those are the main things that our team will be doing when we go uh, for that week. And then just some prayer requests that we have is, one, we're, we're in training right now as a team, so we just pray for continued unity within our team. Uh, as we prepare, and then also, uh, unity with our brothers and sisters in Colombia as we're gonna be working alongside the leaders there. Um, the second thing we would ask for is just that we would be able to share the love of Jesus in practical and tangible ways as we do these different camps and retreats, um, during the week that we're down there. And then lastly, um, or discernment, as Julio said, we're looking for ways to um, strategically uh, partner long-term with the Colombian Covenant churches. So just discernment as we go down, how is God calling us to, to do that? And then lastly, as we continue to prepare to go, just financially, uh, we're raising funds to be able to go and minister down there, so just be in prayer for that. And then as we're down there, just health and safety as we travel and as we work and serve. So that's, that's us.
9: Thank you guys. I'm going to invite you guys to just pray um, on your own this time, just in silence, just to lift up these concerns to the Lord um, that you saw on the PowerPoint. For those of you that don't know on the way out, they have a bake sale. They've been having it kind of every couple weeks. Um, but if you want to support um, them to participate in that, and I would love to see them have absolutely no financial problems going as a team, uh, since there are only 15 of them and hundreds of us. So, uh, let's pray for them uh, on our own and then I'll close our time. God, we thank you so much for the privilege to be involved in the things that you're doing around the world. We praise you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great King above all the nations. We thank you that the people that we never see, God, are just as important to you as we are. God, we praise you that... You are a God that shows no preference. And God, we thank you that you allow us to live out your love and your mercy in the world around us. And so we pray for this team and we pray for Julio and Katie, God, that you would bless them. God, that you would bless their marriage as they prepare, that you would bless their family as they um, think about and prepare for bringing a child with them along on the trip. God, we pray for their team. God, that you would bring health, God, and joy as they serve and God, we pray that they would learn as they s- serve alongside the churches in Colombia, learn new things about what it means to love you um, and to love others more deeply and passionately. So, God, we just lift them up to you, God, and we thank you that we can trust you with them and with this team. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks,
0: guys. We have one more important uh, presentation to see in, a, in another few minutes. Um, I'm in uh, Josh and Kathy's small group. And in our small group, uh, we, we have a, what's called hot seat. And some of your small groups do this, too, where we pick somebody uh, each week or whatever, and they sit down in a seat and, and they get grilled with questions. And so uh, last week was my week to sit in the seat. Uh, and so uh, one of the questions that I got from a visitor turned new member now of our small group uh, who, who I, I won't uh, name uh, because if I told you that he directs the choir or something like that, you probably know who it was. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, would you know it was Daniel if I said that? OK, so so somebody asked me this question and uh, he says he says, how um, how he said, where in the city do you do you see God at work? Where do, you, where do you see, how are you seeing God at work um, in, in the city when you look around? And I told him it was such a hard question, I had to come back to it. And so everybody else asked me these questions. And, and, I, and that question has stayed with me um, over the last few days and, um, and, and last night. I was thinking about this morning and I was watching the news and some of you may have seen this uh, about Crane High School. There was a murder uh, week or so back, a couple of weeks back. And there's been all kinds of uh, murder in our school system this year and just across the city. And they were talking about that. And the story uh, was primarily about what was going on at Crane yesterday, where uh, students uh, actually from Moody, uh gathered with uh students and uh and alumni of crane high school yesterday and they cleaned up the area around the high school and I don't know what else they did. That was sort of the soundbite. And then uh, the reporter uh, interviewed, if you will, one of the students and said uh, some, you know, you don't, you don't really get to hear the question. But the answer was the reason why we're here. They were talking about the reason. Why Why are you all here from this college? You know, you don't go to Crane High School. You're not from this. Why are you here? Whatever. And, and the answer uh, was, well, we're here because God cares about the city and we care about the city. And, and 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 as i think about what you're going to see in a few minutes this next video presentation i'm reminded both of those students who were at crane yesterday and about people who care about the city precisely because god cares about the city and and these are brothers and sisters who who we're so excited about sometimes they they're, they're here in our church they're here usually every week or so and unfortunately uh, that means that that their presence is common And sometimes common things are unappreciated things. So you get to share, to hear the testimony uh, and the ministry of uh, four four of our siblings, four of our relatives here at New Community. So watch this video, thinking about uh, God's care uh, for the city.
5: When I was in high school, I felt a call from God to ministry. But I think something happened in college where I think my view of God, my view of of the Christian life, um, and how I could use my gifts and passions was transformed. I developed a broader picture of um, where God could use me. Every three years, at varsity has a uh, missions conference at Urbana. I remember um, going there as a sophomore in college, um, hearing about global issues like poverty, like HIV/AIDS. Um, how Christians can be a voice in racial reconciliation, could be a voice um, in reaching the whole world with the whole gospel and I was just convicted that there's something going on here that God is doing um, in, in my generation and I realized that the college campus is places where people are formulating their opinions on the world and I thought if we could equip a generation of college students with values for the whole world and values for the whole gospel, uh, what an amazing uh, influence that could be. At Northwestern University InterVarsity has um, five different chapters. We want to reach the whole campus, um, every pocket, every group uh, with the gospel and send out uh, witnessing communities to each campus. And so I focus on the Asian American uh, chapter. Our mission is to um, basically be a light to the Asian American community at campus. 18% of our campus is Asian American. That's a tight-knit community of, of Asian Americans on campus. They feel a certain degree of safety, uh, a certain degree of community um, in an all-Asian community. And so um, one of our jobs and our goals is to reach that population, but also to take students who, who grew up in an all-Asian context, uh, maybe their church back home, but also point them to the larger body of Christ.
11: I became a Christian uh, between uh, my sophomore and junior year of college and when I came back on campus, uh, got involved with university, and it was really a foundational time for me in in how I learned to live out uh, my faith learn how to love God, love God's word, and love God's people. I came to really love InterVarsity and it really meant a lot to me. So when I came out of college I volunteered for a year and really enjoyed it but was always like "Uh, I don't want to really do the fundraising piece because we have to raise our own budgets. Went to the working world for a while started coming to a new community and God really started calling me back to InterVarsity but I always uh, said, no, I'm not going to do it. Realizing my call, God had people in my life and uh, coming to new community and hearing some sermons of just uh, him asking me, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust in your own ability to work and to make money, or are you going to trust in me to provide for you? So God finally uh, broke through there, and I decided to put my faith in him and come on staff. I work at the Illinois Institute of Technology, which is on the south side, really close to U.S. cellular field work with about 70 uh, college students there, mostly engineers, architects, hard science majors. Logic and reason and science is really held up as kind of the pinnacle of what you can achieve. It's a lot of students who are wrestling with how do I follow God and worship God with these studies, a world that says that God is absent and God isn't present. My kind of three main things are leadership development, I want students that are going to be leaders, not only on campus, but when they graduate in the workforce,
12: in their church, and in their communities. I do campus evangelism and uh, student discipleship. In the past 10 years, since I've graduated, I've gone back and forth between pastoral ministry and working in politics. My most recent job was doing community organizing within the church community to get more involved around social justice and poverty issues. I wanted to invest more time and energy in listening to scripture, listening to the Christian community, and listening to the movement of the Holy Spirit in uh, developing social justice and poverty issues within the greater church community. I love developing young leaders. One of, if not the best, organization for developing young leaders is University Christian Fellowship. So I work with University um, Chicago Urban Project. We train student leaders, introduce them to urban ministry, um, and that's a springboard for talking about tons of topics: um, poverty, social justice, uh, racial reconciliation. The Chicago Urban Project has three components to it. We have uh, weekend projects, we have spring break plunges, which are week long, and then we have summer projects, which are six to eight weeks, depending on the project. Um, in that time students spend some time doing volunteer work um, and the level of intensity depends on the length of the project. There's also a great deal of training that goes along with that, um, helping students understand what the faith looks like in a impoverished urban setting. What topics like redemption and salvation look like for somebody who um, was not born with the same resources and access to resources as most college students are. Being actually physically in a poor urban setting helps create the context for um, looking at faith in a different way. Uh, in
9: 1996, with a degree in music business, I was headed to Nashville. So I was going to be the next Gloria Stefan. When I was in college, God just radically intersected my plans. The experience that I personally had with InterVarsity uh, Christian Fellowship as a student shaped me so dynamically that. Uh, I wanted to be involved in the lives of college students, and so instead of leaving to Nashville, I ended up spending nine more years on a college campus. And the opportunities that I had um, to work with college students between the ages of 18 and 22—you know, all the decisions they're making, the opportunity for transformation—all of that was uh, a part of what God was calling me to to be involved in, uh, to see students become uh... who are god's people become world changers my first season of ministry was at northwestern university i was doing bible study training worship leading working with students investing one-on-one with students developing leaders going all over the country trying to think about latino bible study and latino ministry and honestly i didn't know how to say no So I just did it all. That's season one. This new season of my ministry, I really believe, is a season of integrating my passions together. My job now consists of directing the Chicago Urban Program. I work with a team of staff, so my job is to take the staff and students and help them in their journey of understanding the city. How we do that is uh, primarily through biblical teaching. What does the word have to say about ethnicity, race, and justice, and how should God's people respond to that? Engaging in the community, Seeing what the needs are, being able to see how my my unique experience and giftings play um, a role in um, living out justice here in the community. I think when I was out there kind of doing it all, I was running myself, you know, into the ground. And um, I knew that as a, as a second generation Latina that had access to lots and lots of resources growing up, that God was calling me to personally be back in the city.
5: We have uh, large financial needs and we raise 100% of our support. Financial support, I'm looking to build a team of, uh, of
11: people that will uh, support the ministry financially and partner with us. All Ivy staff workers
12: uh, fundraise for our salaries.
9: As a missionary, all of our personal expenses and our ministry expenses are provided for graciously by God's people through the church through friends and through alumni. It reminds me and humbles me that I cannot do my job without people coming alongside of me and helping me and being a part of it. We have
5: conferences Um, and retreats where we love to have um, older folks to come and share their experiences and their wisdom with students.
11: We have IAT students that come to New Community. Uh, Being able to mentor and disciple some of those students would be a great blessing. Those students really,
12: I think, really desire having uh, older Christians in their lives. With the Urban Project for this past spring break, we had um, close to a dozen members of New Community who were volunteering in some capacity. One of the greatest ways that
5: we could be supported by our church is for them to know what we're doing to be praying for us prayer we need people that are going to be lifting up the campus
11: lifting up my students lifting up me lifting up our whole ministry to God Uh, we want to be a prayer
12: driven ministry we definitely rely very heavily on prayer support Mm -hmm. um, and it is what makes ministry happen Um, students lives are transformed when they come through the urban project
9: bringing a student from uh, not understanding anything about poverty to understanding how they contribute to those situations is a spiritual battle. And so I would really ask our church to participate with me and with us at the Urban Program by praying for us. I don't see that as a kind of a sideline thing. I see it as core to the ministry of the Urban Project, That that there's real evil and it needs to be covered in prayer.
0: Matt, uh, our uh, video ministry pulled uh, not only what you saw just now together, but uh, all of the videos and the presentations together. Matt, uh, thank you so much. He does that a lot, and so we don't, we don't always point that out, but uh, it was quite busy this week. So um, I'm going to ask... Um, the missionaries who you have heard from, uh, today to come back up to the altar. Uh, and I'm going to ask that our church that we together pray for them. And so, uh, first our local missionaries and I'll just ask you to come. And so when I call for you, come on up so that, uh, uh so Andy, uh, Anthony, Max, Sandra, come on up. Uh, what I'm going to, what I'm going to have us do is stand uh, across, um, and then I'll invite uh, those of you who have already impact, been impacted by their ministries to to come up and pray. Uh, if you, uh, Rusty, Lynette, can you come up uh, as well? Julio, Katie, um, our members of the Columbia Missions team, I want you uh, to come up as well. So come on up. Be walking this way. Uh, Samuel, come on up. Uh, Uh, All of you come Uh, before. Come on up. Come on up. I won't bite you, Mark. I promise. Um, uh, Turn, turn, turn to me. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions in a few moments and uh, then I'll invite the other folks to come and pray for you. Uh, We're going to have just a a time, a short time of commissioning. And uh, what a commissioning is, is ascending forth Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's an act that the church does in concert or in, uh, in connection with what Jesus did with his disciples. He called them and he sent them forth. He commissioned them uh, to do the work of their ministry. And so uh, in order to do that, I'm going to ask all of you a couple of questions. And uh, if you do, I'm going to ask you to indicate that by saying I do. Difference, church. We rejoice that God has called you. As a missionary, as a local missionary, as a global missionary, after your time of preparation, after your time of learning, your training, after your time of raising support, you will be consecrated for the sacred task of being a missionary. Having heard the word of God concerning his holy calling, after being trained and developed for your ministries, uh, you will learn of his duties and promises, of your duties and promises. I now call upon you in the presence of God in this company of witnesses to confess your faith. Do you believe in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit if you do say, I do? I do. do you trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and acknowledge him as Lord? Do you believe the Bible to be the word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct? Do you believe that God has called you to serve as a missionary and do you desire to promote his glory? I'm going to ask you if you've been a witness you've seen or you've been a part of one of these folks' ministries that you come up now, that you come up now, lay your hand on their shoulder and begin to pray for them. Come on up. If you have been a part of their ministry, a part of their lives, received from them, been a community to them, whether our missions committee uh, for some of our newer missionaries or some of our students are here. Don't gravitate necessarily to the folks who uh, it's like everybody's jumping on. Uh, Make sure that uh, we're doing this as a church and so that if you've been reached by one person's ministry, since we're standing together, you've been reached by everyone's ministry. So uh, make sure that everybody is touched. Lay your hands on them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Secondly, if you're here in the congregation and you sense a call, Uh, you sense a call to be a missionary, to be one who promotes and proclaims, maybe in ways that you've seen today, maybe in other ways, if you sense a call to be a missionary, would you stand where you are? Stand where you are. Stand where you are. Holy Spirit speaking to you, stand where you are. Church, uh, look around. If If you see someone standing near you, would you stand with them, stand around them, and begin to pray for them? Get their name, hear their name, and take them before God. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. If someone's standing near you, if you're seated and someone's standing near you, make sure they're not standing alone, but pray for them.
9: Cristo, solo tú eres la esperanza para un mundo en dolor. Te damos gracias que invitas las naciones a su amor. Que es un reino, en tu reino hay justicia, vida, gracia y amor. Te pedimos, Dios, danos fuerza y sabiduría. En tu nombre. God we just lift you up and we say God you are worthy. God we thank you that you are our king over all the nations and that your reign is a reign of love and of mercy. And we pray for strength and wisdom as we live out your mission. All of us, whether we're called to vocational missions, whether we go short-term or whether we're sending, God, we pray, God, that you would give us strength, that you would give us your heart, God, for the nation's. And so we lift this time up to you, God, and we say, God, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy to be worshipped in every corner of the world, God. And that there will be one day, God, where every nation, every tribe, every tongue will lift up their voices to you and worship, singing hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor be unto our God. And so, God, we praise you and we lift you up this day. And we thank you for this time to get a glimpse of the way that your kingdom is coming into the world, Jesus. We just lift you up and say, God, you are worthy. Amen.
0: standing for our benediction. Three things before we have our corporate benediction. One, uh, our host church, the Seventh-day Adventist church that uh, we're in now, uh, are having a special luncheon next week uh, for missions, actually, for a missions project that they're working on. So some of their young people are out in the lobby uh, selling tickets for that luncheon. Uh want you to be mindful of that. Our own missions team, as you heard, selling uh, goodies, bake sale after church. And so uh, we invite you to participate in that. Secondly, you got a bulletin and there's an insert uh, in the bulletin. And if you didn't get an insert, we will have them at the connection table uh, for you uh, to make decisions about what you will do next as a church. What you will do individually uh, to respond to the stories, to the ministries and testimonies that you've heard. And so you can either uh, drop that uh, at the connection corner. Uh, You can take it with you to the missions feast, the luncheon after church. Or you can email the folks um, as you as you need to uh, as you select that, and then finally, 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 uh, pray for our missionaries. Uh, pray for them there 's no other thing that we can do as a church uh, than come around them and support them, and one of the ways to do that is uh, to pray for them. One of the ways to do that is to say, "Hey, I want to support you financially, but but support these folks that we 've commissioned, that you know that you see." We'll have several opportunities, one of them today, to connect with them after church. And so take that time and do that. Together, let's have our corporate benediction. Come, O Holy Spirit. Come as holy fire and burn in us. Come as holy wind and cleanse us within. Come as holy light and lead us in the darkness. Come as holy truth and dispel our ignorance. Come as holy power and enable our weakness. Come as holy life. Convict us, convert us, consecrate us until we are set free from the service of ourselves to be servants to the world. Amen. If you're a member, tonight we'll see you at church at the Congregational Business Meeting. Don't forget. Everybody else, we'll see you next week. God bless you.